Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're Hi. upbringing. We're here for our weekly live to talk about kids' resistance. The hardest part of our day. Somehow we like to talk about it being the most valuable part in our day. Mm-hmm. But how? Why? Getting out the door, getting in jammies, getting dressed, picking up toys, cleaning up homework, putting down a screen, um, mm. hanging with siblings yeah. in a in a way that where people aren't getting bopped in sco- Three Stoogeville, mm-hmm. right? Resistance. You get the idea, right? Mm. I think that that is like the bane of our existence. I think, as I said, and I think so much about this, the work we do at Upbringing is finding ways to reframe our kids' resistance mm-hmm. as something natural, normal, necessary, and then reapproach them in a way that nurtures that critical resistance, that doesn't stomp it out, right? Mm-hmm. And that finds a way to meet in the middle, to build mm-hmm. skills alongside them, to grow up alongside them, essentially. I love that. Our culture tells us kids need to just conform, just get with the program. We know best for their body, for their mind, for their learning, for their spirit, for all those things. And what our kids resist are very well-intentioned uh, control, more often than not. Um, it can shake us. It can make us think, God, they're not going to learn what they need to, or gosh, this is inconvenient for my day or um, what I'm needing to get done right now. Or it can make us worry. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be smelly? Are they going to be rude? Are they going to be, um, you know, throwing blocks at me or calling me a shitty mom their mm-hmm. whole life? Um, are they going to really be learning hard. the things they need to learn? Are they going to be able to conform and perform in society and by society's expectations? And our answer is yes with some sensitive support where we're not letting it all go in that permissive realm that a lot of us are worried we'll slip into. Mm-hmm. And we're also not cracking down and over controlling and basically separating our kids from that inner wisdom and authority, right? And disrespecting their freedoms, essentially. Their freedom to feel, their freedom to um, know, their freedom to move, their freedom to play, their freedom to express, their freedom to choose. All of these freedoms that our kids have that they were born with that can kind of come into conflict at times with our wonderful responsibility as their parents to get those teeth brushed, um, get them dressed, keep them safe, relatively well-fed and clean, all those Mm -hmm. things. Let us know what you're struggling with as far as your kid's resistance right now. Someone, I think I saw a bath time in there. Mm. Let us know what else is going on because Kelsey and I love talking about resistance. One of our biggest mottos is let kids resist. Like we're going to get it on t-shirts and bumper stickers at some Mm -hmm. point. But I think that so much about it is saying when our kids resist, it's a great opportunity. Kelty calls it a ding ding to pause and think what's going on here. 
to recognize that resistance isn't just a pain in the butt, a worrisome uh, projection that we're having. Counterproductive. Right? All of those things, but it is a healthy impulse our kids are showing us and a moment that we can take stock of our power and privilege as parents and think about how we're engaging in a situation to get shit done. Mm-hmm. What are we teaching our kids about power and privilege? How do use power over another person mm-hmm. or how to engage collaboratively with another person, yeah. right? I think a lot of us can can be jumping ahead and thinking, oh my gosh, <clears throat> someday I really want my kid to know how to set personal boundaries. I really mm-hmm. want them to be smart and savvy <clears throat> out there in the world and have successful relationships, work dynamics, personal Not get taken advantage of or take advantage of other right. people. And yeah. we like to talk about how our kids' resistance is their first attempt at setting personal boundaries. And right now, mm-hmm. it looks like being a little choosy about a spoon or a little resistant, putting those shoes on or whatever the thing is, but it's all important. And that's why we want to lean into it in a consent-based, respectful way, right? I feel like we've been lecturing a little bit here, and I want to hear from all of you, what's going on with you all, with your kids? Let's talk about it. We want to support you, right? Mm -hmm. Something we talk about so much um, in our small group coaching, which is open for enrollment March is open for March. So that's, um, Kelsey always describes it better than I do. Do it really? Yes, No pressure. Um, Okay, picture this, a Zoom, four Zoom calls, with seven other families, it could be you, it could be your partner, it could be um, your child's caregiver, it could be you and your mother-in-law, it could be a rotation of those people sitting down four times in a month for two hours every time and just going through all of these challenges you're having with your kid and basically getting coached with us and co-coached with all of these other people who also have these beautiful, sensitive, and strong-willed kids. We bring up topics like transitions right? The struggle to get out the door and get dressed. We bring up topics like verbal and physical aggression. How can we lean in to those in a way that's building connection instead of being coercive or shameful, right? Making our kids feel bad about who they are and what they're needing right now, yeah. right? We talk about meal times, picky meal times, our kids' freedom to nourish around food, around bedtime, around bathing and hygiene. Toileting. How can we try to get those things done, get those values built with our kids working with instead of doing two, mm-hmm. right? And then we have a lot of just open Q&A time where we can focus on each partner or each person's current struggle and just give a lot of grace <clears throat> for the ways that we might be showing up based on our cultural conditioning. She doesn't feel so good, yeah. right? If any of you who are here have been in our small group coaching, um, let us know. Let everyone know who's listening um, how that's been for you and how it's felt. We would love mm-hmm. that. Someone writes here, my 16-month-old only wants to play with household objects, closets, drawers, dryer, dishwasher. He won't play with toys. I let him, but feel like I'm not giving him boundaries. But when I try, he screams. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so you natural bet. to think, oh, toys are for playing and all these household things. A broom isn't for poking. A, um, a Tupperware isn't for wearing as a hat. Mm-hmm. A, um, all these things that, that our kids are, are leaning into using in new and creative ways. And, Very triggering and, ways. And triggering ways, what, feel, what can feel really disruptive or yeah. destructive sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's so hard looking potentially at a kid emptying a sock drawer, just dumping it all out all, all over mm-hmm. the floor and thinking, just go to your toy playroom, mm-hmm. right? Instead of doing this. And it's hard to look at that process as playing and as learning and as growing mm-hmm. in and of itself. It's hard to trust in what our kids mm-hmm. are doing is fulfilling a learning need of theirs, right? with what they have. And for some reason, it sounds like these household objects, which we always say are just as good as all the toys, don't waste your money on toys, are really great. And so if your kid is really into the Tupperware, get some Tupperware that they can have in the living room in their toy thing. Or if they're really into the open and closed drawers, figure out which open and closed drawers you're willing to allow them to experiment with. And I think that's the big thing with a 16-month-old around that one to two-year mark. That's when we come into a really critical time not just for our kids learning and development as those little scientists that kind of get into everything um, to learn and grow, right? But also into our own work as parents Mm -hmm. to learn what our needs and our boundaries and our limits are, which Mm -hmm. we didn't necessarily know and have never necessarily even gotten comfortable with communicating. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, maybe your 16-month-old is asking you to say, what am I okay with them playing with? And what am I not okay with them playing Mm -hmm. with? I need to think about this ahead of time and then decide. So that when I, uh, they go into whatever it is, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things, it's a deal breaker, I can't let you get into the glass Tupperware or something like that, 
I can, I don't have to think and have that like surprised, oh gosh, what should I, shouldn't I? Uh, and I can just lovingly stop their impulse, redirect them to something else. Maybe I've mm-hmm. even bought something else that's similar or there's something else out. Yeah. But right. We, it's a lot of forethought that needs to happen. But we can't always plan. And I think that's yeah. a kind of surprise Keep element to toddlers yeah. where you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was a play thing. And now that's a thing. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that they'd be going there and doing that. Um, so I think that our kids are, are leading that that development in a big mm-hmm. way of saying, okay, now they're into this type of thing. Noted. Okay. And I might walk over and just be like, Ooh, what are you playing with? And I, well, I'm thinking this whole time, is this okay? Do I feel okay with them emptying this drawer or playing with these things or grabbing these things off the shelf? And I think it's just a great time to be planning ahead. Like you said, Hannah, thinking about kind of kid proofing the house ahead of time a little bit thinking, I want, I want them to, uh, <clears throat> this is something that Rye talks a lot about in parenting. Can we create yes spaces instead of no spaces? You don't have to be walking around being like, Nope, not that put that down. Oh, I told you not this. The baby police. Yeah. It sucks. sucks. <laughs> so, so much. Can you create a space yeah. where more often than not, it feels like a yes, or it feels like an explorer or at the very most challenging, it feels like a, <clears throat> can I tell you why we can't mm-hmm. use that? Or let me watch way. you while you're doing that and yeah. we can figure it out together. And this can apply beyond the 16 month old to any of us who have older kids mm-hmm. who are maybe playing in the front yard in a new way that makes mm-hmm. us feel uncomfortable or who are maybe wanting to get into our closet and experiment with our clothes, mm-hmm. a four or five year old, right? Yeah. These are all areas where we can be like, how can I uh, consider this beforehand. How can I communicate the expectations? And then how can I lovingly follow through in the moment, having an alternative available mm-hmm. and just welcoming all those feelings that come yeah. up with it. I think it's so interesting too, around 16 months, we start getting into behavior dumb. So our, our mm. babies are leaving this sort of cute baby stage where they're just like, Oh, don't pick that up. Oh, take that out of your mouth. And they're getting into this new behavior area where you're like, Oh, one behavior is okay. And one behavior. Now they're not. making choices. Right. And, yeah. and now I have to, I'm thinking which behaviors are all right and what isn't. And I think that we have to keep going back to the fact of everything's learning. Yeah. Everything is helping them grow and develop in a really critical way. So if we can look at all those moments of, that behavior doesn't feel good or that behavior feels maladaptive, that behavior is disruptive and think learning, 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 even if we have to lovingly redirect or shut it down. Yeah. When I love that you mentioned Kel, the loving redirect, which this Mm -hmm. applies for the 16 month old who's getting into all the kitchen stuff, right? Instead of their toys. And this applies to any child that's doing something that we don't want them to do. Mm -hmm. And I think very often we get to a point once a child is able to talk a little or say some words Mm -hmm. or understand us and follow uh, commands, demands, invitations, all I have to say is what I need them to do and they should stop. How about no, thank you. My you hear words that a lot. are just enough <laughs> no, for thank this you. child, right? And I think that then we see them continuing to get into whatever it is mm-hmm. or continuing to do what, whatever it is that bothers us. And then we get more and more ramped up and that's when the threats and the anger and the frustration mm-hmm. um, and those types or of things confusion. come up. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that remembering that uh, kids really need a loving follow through and, and very often need us to show them with Either our bodies physically. physically to say, Oh, I wish you could be in here. I'm going to close this cabinet. Maybe I'll engage with you first verbally and see how you're doing. And if you're able to hear what I'm saying and then redirect or do mm-hmm. whatever, but it's okay if you're not there and you need me to show you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if I can show you a little earlier when I'm not losing my shit, right? Mm -hmm. Then that could be better for the learning experience in general. And maybe even reduce your resistance or that sense of the child feeling unheard or unseen. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Love that. Let's go back to that bathtub one that somebody mentioned. Let's see. A lot of scrolling here. Hold on. I don't know. We lost it. Bathtub person. (sighs) I think it said anxiety and, and fear of bath. All of a sudden, oh, was what okay. it said. Yeah, it didn't say the age, but I think that's so natural and normal. Oh, and I think it's especially hard when it can um, happen at bedtime too. Yeah, when our kids happen around animals, when our toddlers or kids or even like tweens get scared of something that we've seen them be totally fine about, and that a food aversion, right? And things that are connected to, to an agenda or responsibility that we hold very dear, like but they have to eat vegetables and they're scared of slimy foods or, but they have to go into school, go into school and they're scared of going, or they have to get go to the doctor's appointment or doctor's appointment. And, and it, it can be really triggering yeah. for us because we have this like, um, imperative. Yeah. This initiative yeah. to get this thing done for, for a really legit reason. And when our kids are scared about it, I think it's easy for us to often say, it's fine. It's okay. It's not scary. 
you did it before or let me give you the information it's okay it's not actually scary let's try let's try let's try and we try to be encouraging and and welcoming and and accidentally maybe a little bit sometimes shut down our kids um feelings their expression of what they're going through and so in those moments when we're able to validate and acknowledge scared about that or what about that is a little spooky or tell me you know you used to like the water is something <clears throat> changed what can we do and just being that kind of neutral curious um ally. presence and ally and wingman with our yeah. with our kids whatever the fear is they don't mm-hmm. want to see grandma they don't want to get in the tub they don't want to go to the <clears throat> school again they don't right. like that slide they won't go near that right. slide i think often i mean we think fear in our society we're like that's a sign of weakness but mm-hmm. really fear is such a healthy sign of, of personal attunement. Mm-hmm. And we want our kids to be really in touch with their, their hesitation mm-hmm. on things because that's their inner wisdom and authority saying, hold up, wait, is this a consent mm-hmm. issue? Is this a safety issue? Mm-hmm. Is this a motivation issue? Mm-hmm. Is this an information issue? Is this mm-hmm. a time issue? What is the issue here? And we don't want to condition our kids to bypass their hesitancies in situations mm-hmm. to make another person comfortable, right? But we do. Our instinct is like, just, <laughs> just bulldoze right through yeah. that. I don't want them to feel that. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. This is so triggering and hard. Right. Yeah. So I think that we, we don't want them to say, it's okay. Don't worry about it at all. We want to say, I respect your hesitation. I hear Tell you. me more. Mm-hmm. What can we do? Yeah. Right. And remember too, that more often than not, we can be side by side our kid with their fear about whatever and we don't have to push it yeah. sometimes there are those moments where you know we realize oh i probably could have prepared them for this doctor's appointment a little better and it could have happened and that's when we go into problem solving mode do how long do we have to sit here and work through this mm-hmm. to figure it out to acclimate to get used to it for a bath cool it they don't have to bathe today they don't have to bathe tomorrow they don't have to bathe for the whole week if they're not ready. Mm-hmm. So I think leaning, leaning out of that space of this has to happen. We've got to get there and figure this out into that kind of downshift mode of we've got time. We're good. Yeah. We're, we're going to work on the foundation. We're going to work on understanding what, where the, that inner resistance is coming from mm-hmm. because feeling good about it is more important than getting it done. Mm-hmm. Right. I love it. Following our kids lead in that way can mm-hmm. be really meaningful when we can, when we can, right? We can't yeah. always for sure. Mm-hmm. Thanks Welcome everyone for joining. we got lots of folks rotating through here. We were like, Oh shit. It's a Friday night for a live. No one's coming. People have stuff to do. Um, this is what we like to do on a Friday night is have a little <laughs> bubbly and hang out and just connect with you all. Mm-hmm. Someone said, oh, go ahead. Oh, just one last thing. I just want to plug small group coaching again <laughs> okay. really quick before we dive into the next one. Check out on our website and Instagram. We are, we have maybe like five or six spots left for our two small coaching groups in March, four small coaching sessions with a cohort of other people. Every Monday. Parents of sensitive and strong-willed kids yeah. who want to do right by them, who want to feel a little less stressed, a little more connected yeah. through all of these daily challenges. So check it out. Love it. Someone said, not resistance going on right now, but I keep missing your Instagram lives. My seven-year-old daughter wake, makes up problems and works herself up about them. Cries about how something about something totally non-existent. Mm-hmm. How to deal. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear about what those non-existent things are. And gosh, it's such a good exercise in realizing that what feels non-existent to us is very fucking real to our kids. Or it's a, it sounds like not a big deal, but it's connected to something deep and yeah. real underneath. Well, just like when our kids yeah. were little toddlers, this, we're talking about a seven-year-old mm-hmm. here, but like, I remember when my two-year-old would just have a meltdown about the wrong spoon I gave them, yeah. or Kelty would cut something the wrong way and her kids oh, would gosh. just fall to pieces, yeah. you know, or like this tiny little thing about this thing mm-hmm. to get to the car would really bother my daughter mm-hmm. and it would backtrack us. And again, those are usually those straws that the straw that broke the camel's back, mm-hmm. the, the, those types of things where there are all these other micro stressors going on. And that's one little thing that allows them to express that stress and get it all out of there. And that's why we always say, whatever our kids are expressing is valid and real and true and necessary. Mm-hmm. And we want to lean into that, whether we can cognitively rationalize, whether it's a valid situation or complaint mm-hmm. or concern. Let's just take that off lot. our job description. We don't even have to yeah. judge if it's worthy or not. They're showing us it yeah. is. They're showing us something's worthy, something's necessary to yeah. stress out about, right? 
And maybe if they're not comfortable talking about a particular thing or they mm-hmm. haven't grown the awareness to identify what something mm-hmm. in particular is or they're wanting to maybe avoid because it's too stressful to think yeah. about or talk about, then they're going to project it onto whatever it is. I yeah. do that with my husband all the time. I was going to tell I do that too. Yeah. I'm just like this thing. And he's like, that's not a thing. And I'm like, don't tell me that's not a thing. That is a thing. That, that is, is everything. Now it's an extra thing uh-huh. because you just right. invalidated it. Yeah. And I want to say too, just nodding towards what seven-year-olds, a lot of kids in school right now and mm-hmm. moving through the world the way it is, are going through, which is holding it together fucking all day yeah. long, sitting mm-hmm. still, paying attention, being focused, mm-hmm. getting things done, being quiet, doing all the things. And then they get home and they lose it mm-hmm. about something that feels like not a very big deal to us. Yeah. And I think that's when we have to harness all the energy we can to either detach and relax and nod or get in there and be like, I am here. And instead of conveying, no, this isn't a big or deal what? or no, mm-hmm. right? We convey, yes, I hear right. that. Tell me more. I yeah. want to know more. Right. Even if we're confused and we're like, are you kidding? Like, what the heck is going on? We say, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. This thing, this sounds really important to you. Right. And this I think, thing, and oh, I it's think frustrating that, for you right now. Right. Okay. Be- because it seems like something random or made up or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we're tricked because we're usually think help and emotional support is digging into the logistics and the what of mm-hmm. this thing. And so when the thing is fucking crazy and weird, it's hard for us to be like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. But again, that was never our job in the first place. Our job in the yeah. first place was just to say you're safe in your feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they are or why. You're safe in them. I'm here mm-hmm. with you. I'll see you through with this. Mm-hmm. We're co-regulating, right? Mm-hmm. We're calm. We're helping our kids find calm yeah. in their own way over time. And so much is just owning that and showing up and influencing in that way. When you think about it, it's a huge like thing off our shoulders. In those moments that our kids are stressing about something or they're worried about the bath like we heard, or they're um, having a meltdown mm-hmm. about the school friend and a thing that's happening that we don't understand. We can take all of these things off our job description that we thought were on there to fix, to get, go through logistics, to rationalize, to justify why it's not a big deal, to say it's not going to gonna happen. To, yeah. we, we can take all that off our job description and literally just hold space. Yeah. Just hold space. Just like what we'd want our partners to do or friends mm-hmm. to do when we're struggling to just listen and be like, oh my gosh, yes, that's bothering you. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Doing this practice oh, for our kids has like helped that. me too. To tell my partner, to tell you, Hannah, when you guys are going a little into the logistical like mode and say, I'm not actually looking for that. I'm not actually needing that. I think what I'm needing is just validation and acknowledgement and, and holding space right now. Safety. And then other yeah. times you're doing that for me and I'm like, but seriously, how do we figure this out? And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'm on it. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Hope that helps a little bit. Sorry, it's so bath hard. is loud in the other room. I think keeping those mental mantras going when our kids are are really flipping out about whatever mm-hmm. it is, you just thinking about what can I say to myself? They have stress in their body that they're trying to get out. Mm-hmm. They're needing me to help them feel safe. Mm-hmm. My calm helps them calm. I don't understand it yet, and that's okay. Right. I can't understand their pain, but I can feel it, and I can mm-hmm. hold space for or, it. Or, if I can't feel it, I can protect myself so it doesn't get on me right right? and that's when we talk about getting up that for those of us who are spongy force field so we don't get sucked into it and feel super drained by the the roller coaster of emotions that a lot of our kids are on on the daily i think so much about uh preventing us from getting sucked in is realizing that them expressing their feelings in these strange ways where they're perseverating on a topic or projecting onto some random story or making it up as you said is all just a healthy way to get the stress out of their body. And so I would also suggest finding other ways for your daughter to get the stress out of her body mm-hmm. um, before maybe those things happen. Because mm-hmm. there are all sorts of ways. There's moving your body. There's laughing. There's crying. Mm-hmm. There's screaming. There's uh, a hitting and harming things. There are all sorts of ways Jumping, that we get stress out of rolling, our body. Rolling, pressure, regulate our nervous system. So what can you be doing to support your daughter when... She comes home from school Mm -hmm. before the spiraling starts happening Mm -hmm. to help her feel safe and secure and balanced, rebalanced in her body. Yeah. And not to say that you've got some like super secret mission to get her regulated so she doesn't lose it. I think that that's when we can bring our kids in on this, whether they're two or 12. Say, I've noticed you've had some big feelings around stuff. Sometimes we feel better when our bodies have done some different types of things. Let's make a menu and some ideas and we can try it together as a family. Mm -hmm. What do you think? It can be shower, bath, doing dishes, um, doing flips and tumbles, being uh, the panini press, 
getting pillows and pushing down on your body. Dance party. Dance party, brushing each other like little ponies. Mm -hmm. Like what else? Come up with all the things. What's their nervous system language, right? Yeah, pillow fight. In those moments, that stress goes and she tries to think through the stress. So it attaches to thoughts. And I think bringing her back to her body could be really supportive. Yeah. Yeah, you can't recall a specific scenario. Yeah, absolutely. We get that. Everyone who's joining us right now, welcome. We are talking about our our sensitive and strong-willed kids, big feelings and challenging behaviors, primarily their resistance to our agendas, our loving parental agendas. How to find um, some beauty in that, right? Trying to find the, the division of responsibility between what is theirs and what is ours. Identifying our kids' freedoms in those moments. Yeah. Identifying our own power and privilege. I love that you talk about our agendas because I'm like, God, my agenda, my expectations are so good. <laughs> I, I, I love my expectations and my agenda so much. And I think that's what makes it so painful when my kids are constantly countering that agenda and shattering those expectations. Hoarding them. Right? Yeah. But that's their job. And it's a really good reminder that this is not the Kilty show and this is yeah. not the mom show and that yeah. these are human beings right. that we want to be working in partnership with, <clears throat> right? That's, That's why their resistance is so amazing. It's such yeah. a good reminder. Yeah, they deserve it. And it builds their skills in our relationship. So it's it's a, a real investment that takes some time. That's like so much of the work we do in our small group coaching mm-hmm. is like, how can we turn this work and this collaboration that we're doing mm-hmm. with our kids into this investment in their skill building and our skill building, because we got to do it first, mm-hmm. in our relationship, in the family culture when we're normalizing for them mm-hmm. as they go out into the world someday. That's what I like hearing That's from a lot. A lot of people in our small group coaching saying, after four weeks, four calls, eight hours with everyone, yeah. I am more patient, I am more empathetic, I am more compassionate. And I thought that coming to this, <clears throat> this small group coaching club was going to fix my kid, was going to change my kid. And I re- I'm realizing all the ways that I've grown as a result of looking at things a different way and approaching things in a little bit of a different way. So even just feeling things differently mm-hmm. and seeing them differently can make a huge difference in our personal experience. And then our personal experience can affect our approach to our child and it can affect their personal experience. And each personal experience can inform our relationship. I feel like yeah. I'm getting kind of meta. It's like a good change wave. It is. Yeah. Someone said, I have this struggle with my six-year-old when she doesn't respond in the way I want. I feel disrespected mm-hmm. when I should probably just be checking in with her. I love that. Yeah. It's so great that you're identifying that feeling, that trigger of when I'm being Mm -hmm. ignored, I'm being disrespected. Like, where does that feeling come from? Mm -hmm. Right? Why do I feel that way? What happened when I was a kid? Was I ignored? What happened to me when I maybe wasn't able to, you know, focus on my parents? How was I treated in those moments? What kind of upbringing kind of baggage am I bringing into these situations with my kid? Or is it just day-to-day wear and tear where I've got my fucking agenda and shit needs to get done and I'm tired Mm -hmm. and I just want them to get on board already and it's hard. It feels like, you know, this this imbalance in relationship. And Mm -hmm. I think just another reminder that our kids are not supposed to respect us. We are supposed to respect them. Yeah. That is the first and foremost um, yeah. kind of relationship dynamic. Yeah. I think that the, the yeah. cultural conditioning we've undergone says that our kids um, need to earn our respect. Yeah. And I think that the way that we look at it is that our kids deserve our unconditional respect. And that is the, the number one way that they're going to learn what respect is, yeah. right? And that respect is um, doesn't go up the food chain, right? It goes yeah. down right? With those who have more power and privilege, respect those below them Mm -hmm. and make things a conversation. Always. I love that you suggested, maybe I just need to connect with her Mm -hmm. and support her a little more. And I think that's what we often need when our kids are tuning us out and we're like, all these automatic negative thoughts start coming in. I'm being disrespected. She always, she never, all of these things start playing in our head. And I think those are those moments that instead of issuing a consequence or going through our control toolbox, which is consequences on my terms, now threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts, that's our control toolbox, right? Instead of going into that, how can we lean into our resist toolbox, our connection toolbox to invite collaboration in a respectful way and, and, and know that there's a reason that she's not <clears throat> listening to you or paying attention to you. She could be in flow. She could be busy with something else. She could be needing more time, more information, more um, respect and connection, right? Mm -hmm. So in those moments when our kids aren't listening to us and paying attention, we start getting into that script. 
not going to help us. Mm -hmm. Or we cross the room being like, hello, come on. How can we go over and sit next to them and say, what are you working on? What's going on? Right? What do you invest 30 seconds in what they're dealing with and just say, check for understanding. Hey, do you remember what we're doing next? Or, hey, did you see what time it is? Or, hey, what's going on with you? I thought we were going to go outside and it's been like half an hour. What are you needing right now? Right. <clears throat> that could be a, the, the start of a, a whole different scenario. Yeah, for and, sure. And it, it pays off in a lot of wonderful ways where when we're doing something, our kid will come over and say, hey, what are you doing? I was needing your help for the last five minutes and you still aren't coming over instead of being like, mom, get over here. I need you right now. Right. So considering what we're modeling in the moment yeah. as well, always. Kids learn by the way we teach. Yeah. That's what they're learning, how we show up. We can't teach empathy with yelling. We can't teach collaboration with timeouts. We can't teach um, respect with shaming. Yeah, innovation with consequences, right? Mm -hmm. They learn by how we show up in those moments. So that's why how we show up is so important uh, on working on, not getting perfect, but working on. So that's what we're all about. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else mentioned my five-year-old. Was it uh, seems to resist any agenda I have about Mm -hmm. anything. I love that. I love that child. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that experience yeah. of feeling like roadblocked at every turn. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned earlier, my expectations, which I hold so dearly, I just love them so much um, that I've had to hold a little more loosely because I'm working with a lot of people with fierce spirits and agendas of their own, yeah. right? And thinking about how we can exist in relationship in a more democratic home, um, an egalitarian home, as opposed to that hierarchy. Right? right of what I say goes, feedback goes down, it doesn't go up, mm-hmm. respect goes up the food chain and saying, I prioritize obedience, conformity, mm-hmm. right? All Good those behavior. things. Yeah. How can we engage in a way that pulls our kids into relationship and to meeting both our needs? And I think that one of the critical aspects of that, which I know, Kelty, you do a lot with your kids who tend to resist mm-hmm. any outside agenda, is creating more time. Mm-hmm. So preparing earlier getting connection about it, getting buy-in, mm-hmm. getting ideas and shaping a lot of things that normally most parents are like, I just create the schedule. I just and tell, I tell them we're them going and they just go do it. And they do it. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of us who are here listening with those sensitive and strong will kids, we're like, what? Like that would never happen with my child. I could never just say, do whatever. Time to put your shoes on. Right. That would never happen. Time right? to get in bed. Yeah. Like if we... You know, a lot of us don't have kids like that, and we don't want kids that are that easygoing and that easy, easily open to manipulation and coercion, right? We want those kids with those fierce spirits, with that that automatic resistance to say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I'm not sure I signed on for this. Mm-hmm. Don't we want them to say, whoa, whoa, I didn't sign on for this in a frat house, right? Mm-hmm. In a job that they just started. Don't we want them to be conscientious consumers mm-hmm. and very power aware, mm-hmm. conscious of their needs, right? Conscious of the agenda other people are putting on them. Mm-hmm. That is such a beautiful instinct our kids have. And that's why mm-hmm. we love their resistance so much. Yeah. I'd start with why. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to do that. Why? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. What, what's what, the what, do you, what are you needing to be yeah. able to do it? Do you need time? Yeah. Do you need to do it in a silly walk? Do you need to do it? <clears throat> and then um, asking ourselves, however, Why? Did I demand it instead of invite mm. it? Did I not prepare them in any way or bring them in on it? Right? Yeah. Did I say it in a tone that was a little bit too top down for mm-hmm. a, my sensitive child? Yeah, but a lot of us are like, oh gosh, I have to be like watching my tone with my child. This is going overboard. This whole respectful parenting thing sounds like a lot of work to just get them to do the things they should be doing naturally, right? What do we say when when we think that? That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth the effort and it's worth yeah. the investment and it's right. Yeah. It's, it's right to, to try when we're able, mm-hmm. right? Someone says, I definitely give my son his own household objects. He can play with his own drawers, etc. but he wants everything he can't have and is so angry. Mm-hmm. I just feel like a bad mom. Oh yeah. This is this going back to the 16 month be, old yeah. getting into all the stuff in the kitchen and Yeah, I think so much, again, we were talking about with the seven-year-old perseverating on these made-up dramas to, like, Mm -hmm. just spiral out and lose it. And maybe this 16-month-old is finding a little bit of a a limit that you're putting up about, like, I'm sorry, you have your own Tupperware in the living room or you have your own spatula, Mm -hmm. but you can't take mine. 
they don't like that, but they're also maybe just pushing up against that limit to let those feelings out and being angry is okay. And so I think that's, that's another opportunity that we're able to reframe, Mm -hmm. not just our kids' behavior, but our our kids' big feelings at this early age and start seeing it as that's really good that he feels angry about that. Mm -hmm. And you can welcome that and say, oh, you feel angry. You wish you could get into my baking thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I wish you could. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that with me. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yes. What could we do instead? Yeah. And maybe he just wants to flail and be angry and He's get super it out. upset and we can just be nearby nodding and showing yes instead yeah. of showing right. no. And then right. that helps your child feel safe in their body when they experience anger. They don't mm-hmm. feel scared to feel anger. They don't feel shameful to fear anger. They don't feel they have to protect mom who feels guilty, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to stop being angry. I might hurt mom, right? Mm-hmm. We can feel calm and confident in our child's big feelings, knowing they have every right to feel them. Mm-hmm. It's a really good experience for them to practice having that in relationship with a safe caregiver, mm-hmm. right? We can always process later when they're not having those big feelings and talk about what they can do, what they can't. Oh, that was hard. Mm-hmm. We can circle back with our 16 month olds even. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Someone said, our five and a half and three and a half year old boys play up big time at bedtime, like feral cats jumping around, egging each other on, being super silly, getting more and more overstimulated. Feels hard to help them regulate together. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That can feel really tricky when we're so tired at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We just want everyone to like wind down. Like, how would we picture it? It's just like <laughs> a bunch of little like kittens just like falling into each other and rolling around and just like getting all cozy mm-hmm. and just being so cute and almost like a little like confused and goofy. Or we see those like cute memes of kids falling asleep at the table and all these cute things. <laughs> like, like, like in like, their car seats. Or their, in their, yeah, but in their like, chairs it's probably playing. Like, it's probably like, too late and they like, are, it's like be- their probably, bedtime probably. Yeah. <laughs> People running out the clock on that. <laughs> but it's so hard and something we talk often in our small group coaching. So check it out on our website. Yeah. One of our four coaching calls is dedicated to our kids' freedom to nourish, yeah. which involves their bedtime. It involves their their bath and hygiene and wellness routines, Mm -hmm. and it involves their eating and all mealtime stuff, right? And so I think all of these three things are like, we feel incredibly responsible for as parents. They need to get the sleep, they need to get the nutrients, and they need to be clean Mm -hmm. and well-kept and respectable looking. And I think that that responsibility can often come into conflict with our kids' personal freedom to do it their way and to be in tune and in touch with what they're actually needing, mm-hmm. right? And based on their development, based on their stress levels, based on their all of their things. Mm-hmm. So I think that one of the things we talk often in our in our small group coaching about around sleep time is saying, how can we lean in to those physical needs early? Yeah. And how can we be trying to continue building positive associations around the things that we want to be promoting, like vegetables, like loving sleeping, right? Like loving washing your hair or being bathed because it's easy for us to end up kind of going the opposite way and making things feel a little negative, maybe pushing an agenda or reaching the end of our rope or feeling like this must happen now. Coercing them or using consequences or incentives. For sure. I think that when it comes to like two kids who are really just you know, beating each other up and getting really high energy before bed, we have to keep looking at their bodies trying to get balance and saying what they're doing is showing me what they're needing to wind down for sleep. So again, like Kelty said, how can I preempt that and find a way for them to access that Mm -hmm. and have an outlet for that, that I'm more comfortable with. So can I be, how can I be part of orchestrating it as opposed to feeling like I'm being dragged along, you know, or, or stymied in progress, you know? So accepting it and engaging with it in a way Mm -hmm. that feels a little bit more productive, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that could be like, dance party that could be a full official wrestling match could be like an obstacle course setup Mm -hmm. with an agreement that it ends at a certain time toward bed or Mm -hmm. in the room or choose the book that we're going to read once we get there or noticing how long it takes them like 20 Mm -hmm. minutes they tend to wrestle for 20 minutes it's like 10 minutes 15 minutes longer yeah then you'll get that started and and start it out but Mm -hmm. it's so much as saying yes like what mm-hmm. I'm seeing, my kids are showing me and I have to trust in what their bodies are needing. So I'm going to support that and mm-hmm. maybe build a little bit of safety and security for them, but mostly for myself around mm-hmm. whatever that activity is that's going to help them wind down to let yeah. go for bedtime. But it's so hard when it feels um, 
it feels kind of productive. It feels yeah. like, oh, they're asking for more water. Oh, the, the blanket's not right. Oh, they need that stuffy. They need another snack. What? Oh, they need to be like moving their arm on the wall like this. And they're doing all this random stuff. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I just want to finish this so that I can get to my Netflix and my personal time with my partner if I have one or my fresh air yeah. or my work or just all the shit that needs to happen in the house. Just not this. Just this yeah. needs to be done. And I think that when we have that mentality, as opposed to a, more of a mentality of surrender mm -hmm. and acceptance, it can lead us to um, create some cascading side effects that, that actually are the counterproductive elements, yeah. not what our kids are doing. Um, so I think that if we can, we've talked about this metaphor often, if we can think about bedtime, even just experiment one or two nights and see as more of like a circus act, mm -hmm. like we're the, the ringleader. It's like, step right on up, come on in. How can we make this fun? And not like, because I'm going to be like the court jester and jumping up and down no, and doing I'm all these things. I am hosting the three ring circus. I am hosting it. Right. Let's get everything going. And it's going to just, this is where you do this you're over You're going to be dazzled. And yeah. yeah. And then we're going to dream and we're going to have all this wonderful things and our bodies are going to feel so good and You're going to go home feeling like it was the best You're going to be walking on air, baby. Yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah. And then we also have to think about bedtime as a, as a serious issue of consent, mm -hmm. right? We can't say, lie down, take your clothes off shut up. We can't say those things to our kids, especially when we're thinking, gosh, this whole bedtime routine that's feeling kind of bananas right now is someday going to be an intimate moment with another person. So how do we want to be considering our power and the ways that we're using it in this moment and thinking less, I need you to do uh, this. What's good for me. Right. And instead what's good for you. Yeah. Is this good for you? Is this comfortable and reconnecting our kids to their nervous systems and making it a conversation about what their body's needing. That's what's going to see them through and mm -hmm. through a lot of safe interactions and relationships over time as well. Not just falling asleep on their own at night, which is it's not, uh, it's a goal, hurdle but it's not own, the correct. ultimate goal. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Someone said, my three-year-old daughter is very specific about who she wants to help her with her things. Mm -hmm. Usually chooses me, her mom. And we'll mm -hmm. flip if someone else helps her instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so some parental preferences. Some particularities. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, sure. You think bet. That happens often with our, our sensitive and strong-willed kids. And often when they're going through a little bit of a stressful time for whatever reason, too, just getting a little particular. Mm -hmm. Not these shoes or never this show or not mama, I want papa or whatever. Sorry. I tend to feel the same way when I'm feeling a little bit more stressed. Oh, sure. Like, I like my routines. I like my predictability. Mm -hmm. I like my agency and my choice. No one tell me. No mm -hmm. one thwart my my expected plan, right? Mm -hmm. We were just talking about our parental plans being thwarted so easily, mm -hmm. but our kids experience the same things when they're stressed out as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard though. I think that that's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that just like we were talking earlier with a couple different examples, when our kids are having big feelings that we can't change, we can't do anything about, um, or even if we could change and do something about it, can we just downshift to that validating and acknowledging holding space vibe. How can we be the sensitive support <clears throat> staff, that wing person that says, Oh, you want Papa. Mm. My kids have, have had a strong preference for Papa since I can remember. Yeah. And I think it's so hard when they say, when I have to say, tell me about Papa. I love Papa too. Oh, he's so silly. Oh, his feet are so funny. Oh, remember when he did this yesterday? Say, I love Papa too. Tell me all the reasons and lean into that instead of feeling at odds or um, separated from our kid? How can we connect over something that would normally feel like potentially a disconnect? Thinking that it's not a rejection of us, but it's a promotion of this other person. Mm -hmm. Or also, a projection of stress. Projection yeah. of stress. I think so much about it is once we're in the moment and they mm -hmm. already wanted something they couldn't have, we just, like you said, Kelty, have to roll with it and figure it out. Mm -hmm. And then I think it calls us in to get a little bit clear about what we want to do next time. What are these make and break moments? How can we be clear to ourselves and then ultimately to our kids? Mm -hmm. What are these deal breakers? When is it an option to maybe switch between mama and papa, mm -hmm. which we would be happy to accommodate? Mm -hmm. I would love to accommodate my child as often as I can. We do it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We do. We do accommodate our kids yeah. very often. Um, and then what are those times when I can't accommodate who puts you into your car seat or who feeds you dinner tonight mm -hmm. or who puts you to bed, Yeah. right? And, and those times it's just... You got to love it, love on it. You got to, you can prepare them a little bit ahead of time mm -hmm. and prepare them for those feelings they might have. Yeah. Right. 
And then afterward, you can process with them about whatever it was. Yeah, I was right? just thinking, uh, Jen of your parenting mojo just said hi, and Karis wants to say hi, Karis. But I was thinking, Jen would be saying, this is all a conversation about needs when our kids are mm. wanting something we can't give them, whether it's Papa or another cookie or whatever it is. And the question comes down to, well, we could give it to them. And we have to ask ourselves, what am I needing? Am I okay with that? Really, truly. Am I able? And am I okay with it? Willing. Yeah. By willing. And and I think that that, becomes, that matters too. That becomes the juggle that we come into instead of is it going to happen or not? And, and our behavior being a, um, a kind of an answer to that saying, sorry, you can't. It's either yes or it's no. And I'm going to keep saying, but it's no, but it's no, but we can't, but we can't, but this, but that. Leaning in and just saying, you wanted that. And I couldn't give it to you. And I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Or I wish that you had Papa too. That would have been really nice. And we couldn't do that this time. Or you want that fifth cookie and we've run out and we don't have any more. I'm so sorry yeah. that you wanted more cookies and we haven't got any. Yeah. Then we can lean into the fantasy mm-hmm. with cookies or parent caregivers. What would you do if Papa were here? Would you guys be doing something different? Right? What would you do if like you had more cookies? Would you want cookies this big? Would you want cookies this big? What, what would they look like? I mean, it's so much about our role as parents is, is redefining it and saying, it's not my job to meet all of my kids' needs because that's virtually impossible, <laughs> right? And that's a, a recipe for burnout. But my job is to just notice and validate and support their needs, whether they're met or not. Mm-hmm. I don't actually have to meet them. I'm going to do my damnedest, of course. But I'm also, when, when it's not possible, right, mm-hmm. um, I'm just going to to notice them, to love on them. And mm-hmm. that can be enough. We all know that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I know that that from being in relationship with you, Kelty, from being with my partner, that I have a lot of needs that aren't getting met a lot of the time. Yeah. And that something that sees me through and really supports me is just someone uh, witnessing that and saying, I love you still. You're still here. We're going to get through this. It's going to mm-hmm. be okay. And that's that the outer voice mm-hmm. that becomes my inner voice. So then when my needs aren't met, I can say to myself, it's going to be okay. I'm okay. I'm safe. And then maybe what could I do mm-hmm. to feel better, right? To move through this situation. Or to get your needs met better next time. Yeah. Somehow. Right. Absolutely. It's all part of this process we're engaging with. And that's something we do so much in the small group coaching is to just be like needs, theirs, ours. How do mm-hmm. we get them all met? This is the challenge. And that's something that mm-hmm. none of us ever knew we would need to be doing with our kids. I think we just thought, well, our needs will be their needs and we'll just mm-hmm. figure everything out. Just get and past just... the baby stage, get sleep. Then you're good. Oh, diapers will be done and then you're fine and right. just coast and it'll be okay. Right. And I think a lot of us came into parenting where we're like, oh shit, like babies were a lot easier than older kids. Yeah. A lot easier. Ways, yeah. yeah. And ways. I think that we've all been raised to think that someone's <laughs> needs have to trump someone else's. It's win, lose. It's right, wrong. It's power over more often than not. And I think that that everything we've been learning through this um, upbringing process, through the podcast, through our trainings, through this amazing coaching with you all in these small group coaching um, sessions has been that we can just kind of accept everyone's needs all at once and say any conflict really, truly is about two people or more trying to get their needs met with the skills they have right now or the strategies they have right now. And how can we respect all of those? How can we say that everyone's needs matter and we're going to try to seek to meet those? And how can we just take all the other garbage, all that binary victim, um, aggressor, rescuer, tension and, um, and toxic feelings out of what a conflict is and just say, you have needs. I have needs. How can we figure this out? What can we do? What can we do? Yeah. Takes a lot of the tension out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you all for being here tonight. Let us know if there's anything else on your mind that you want to talk about with your mm-hmm. sensitive and strong-willed kids. If you have any questions about our small group coaching, which starts in March, we're really mm-hmm. excited. We've got or, like a week left to sign up for a yeah. spot and they're going quick. They're going quick. We're wrapping up our last uh, February group on Monday. And mm-hmm. we're, it's like the, the relationships we have in those four weeks, it's, it's really intense. And we've had so yeah. many couples in a lot of our um, uh, small groups that have been really cool. It's like double the people. We're this like, wow, awesome. it's like, a lot of people. So it's usually eight people that show up yeah. to a call. And one of our two calls this month, the nighttime five couples. Yeah. It's been so and cool. Then, yeah. It's been really, really fun to get all those perspectives and just have so many more people chiming in and talking mm-hmm. about their, 
their upbringings and their strategies and their triggers and like all these things mm-hmm. going on for them. It's been really, really cool. Um, anyway, thank you all for being here. Thanks for being here. Showing up and growing up alongside us. Parenting for sanity and social change. Thinking about the investment you're yeah. making in these early years with your kids is really mattering and how they learn to view themselves, to view us, to view a relationship, Mm -hmm. to view an institution that begins in our home and goes out into other institutions over time. This is really big stuff that we're working on. It's It's a lot. It is big stuff. And I love that you say we're working on it because it's, it's practice. It's, it's not perfection, right? It's progress over perfection. And it's part of our process too, to be repairing with our kids because maybe we haven't been doing it this way. Maybe we haven't been doing it this way this week or today. Maybe we haven't been doing it this way our, our child's whole life so far. It's okay. And that's okay too. So much of this is about just putting one foot in front of the other and building our awareness as we go and interacting in a new way in relationship with our kids and relationship yeah. with ourselves. Knowing we're not alone too. Yeah. Which that is like the beauty, I think, for us and the gift of upbringing mm-hmm. and of these small group coaching sessions and of these lives, mm-hmm. right? Knowing that we're not alone. It's not our fault. It's not our kid's fault that we're struggling sometimes, Mm -hmm. that this is the human experience and being in relationship with another person. And especially these little people who are very free and Mm -hmm. who have, um, are really pulling us into, um, our own upbringings and our own dreams for ourselves and them and our families and our greater communities. So this is very valuable work. Yeah. Hope to look to all of them to as, um, like with gratitude that Mm -hmm. they're having us question so much of, of what we've gone through. And I think that it's easy for us to think, don't doubt yourself. Don't doubt yourself as a parent. That's, what, that's so it. much of what conventional uh, instinct is says and wisdom says is don't doubt yourself. You've got this mom and dad. And I think to a, to a degree that's true, but I also wanna say, don't doubt, but question. It's healthy to question. Yeah. It's okay to question in our kids' resistance is, is a big reminder to do that asking, to do that wondering, to do that backtracking a little bit or recalibrating a little bit. And it's all okay, it's all part of the journey, it's all part of the adventure. Yeah. And we're grateful to be on that adventure with you. Yeah. So thanks for being here. We will see you all later. My family just logged on. <laughs> Am I supposed to come in for bedtime now? Maybe. Okay. All right, everybody. Night. We'll see you soon.